everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy Dylan Shore, and we are going to talk about Can't Hardly Wait. Dylan, I can't hardly wait to talk about it. What is Can't Hardly Wait? It's the 1998 teen romantic comedy with Ethan Embry, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Lauren Ambrose, Seth Green. Do like the whole the cast, cast list. That. <laughs> It's really intense, man. I, I started off watching this movie and for the first sort of 30 minutes or so, I was like, wow, it's really cool how nobody in this movie is like mega famous now. And they're just yeah. sort of, you know, good actors, but kind of middle tier teen actors for the time. And then as it goes on, I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. The cast is nuts in this movie. Yeah, Jason Siegel pops up like just His for a couple- film credit, I do believe. I believe so. Yeah, so uh, we'll get into the long cast list, but before we do, should we talk about some other flicks? What are you watching? Yeah, I'm uh, stacked up right now. I got a lot to talk about, but so maybe I'll just choose a few and <laughs> save them for next week. Uh, let's see, I got like a four. I got like four I could talk about. I could talk uh, about four movies. You talk about four first, and then I'll talk about four. Okay, I watched Antebellum. Okay that horror movie right. uh it's not good um really dull and like just not a good movie like i like they, my horror movies to be good and exciting as opposed yeah, to bad like, and dull scary like the trailers clearly show janelle monet in um like the antebellum south as a slave but it also shows her in modern day in the trailer so you go in knowing like oh is it maybe there's some weird kind of time travel thing or something else has to be going on and so the movie starts off with like the first 45 minutes being in antebellum south and all these just slaves doing their thing and uh they're acting all weird with each other and then you flash back to janelle monet uh, in modern day and before she gets kidnapped and brought to this like world of antebellum south i see so we're doing a, a village meets get out yeah and it's just bad it wasn't good in any way yeah i mean the just putting those two titles together made me feel a little itchy yeah definitely <laughs> um and then i saw fast nine twice nine um it was a lot of fun <laughs> the definitely the most absurd of them all and i don't know you, you you don't like watch do you like watching them we went and saw fast set furious seven which did one did we, we oh wow you're you're rocking my my pot addled brain man yeah which one did we see together i like those movies I'm, yeah. I, I definitely am a fan of the early end of the spectrum mm -hmm. if I had to make a choice. But yeah, I, I watch them. I generally enjoy them. I don't, I kind of, no, I like them. They're, yeah, what, what am yeah, I going to yeah. say? They're great. Yeah, I think it was Furious 7. I think it was that one. Might have been. Yeah. That's Paul Walker's That's last Paul one. Walker's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, a little bit, but so have you seen the trailers for this at all no i 
proudly do not watch trailers. You know, I'm going to see them. So, Fair. well, uh, can I give you one spoiler that is slightly in the trailer? And if you don't know it by now, it's just like you you're crazy for not. But you could spoil the whole movie for me. I'd still go watch it. Okay. well, uh, (laughs) the best thing about the movie is there are two characters in the third act, Ludacris and Tyrese. They, this is pure fan service because fans have wanted them to do this for so long. They probably they were trying, no, oh. but they want, this was probably more for the whole cast. Like they would want to see the cast do this, but they chose two people to do it and they go to space in a yeah, car. Yeah, of course it has and to be the, coming. And they destroy a satellite with a car and it's <laughs> amazing. It's so funny, dude. <laughs> well, good for Roman and uh, whatever Ludacris was called. Tej. Yeah, Tej. I knew that. Yeah, that sounds like inevitable. I mean, that's where yeah. we're headed. I'm there a little a- surprised they didn't hold that for 10. You know what I mean? Because it's a kind yeah, of a crowning achievement. Where do you go now? I'm so curious where they're going to go now. Uh, I mean, all they've got left is Back to the Future time travel oh uh it's got to be time travel yeah it's gotta be (laughs) i hope i don't know what i hope i just hope they make those movies forever yeah um and then i rewatched this movie that i hadn't seen since i was a kid so i did with my dad and we were both like that was like really dumb and bad and it's rennie harlan's one of your faves uh mind hunters (laughs) It, the cast is pretty big it's got Val Kilmer in a small bit uh Christian Slater um LL Cool J <laughs> Deep Blue Sea Reconnect wow. uh, uh and man oh man is it like it's bad it's it, it's fun to watch but it's also just like this is such a lazy lazy movie and one of my favorite lines I had to write this down was uh I guess I found out his weakness. Bullets. <laughs> I mean, that rules. That that objectively is awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you have HBO Max, I believe it's still on there. I'm watching this tonight, 100%. Uh, it's very, very ridiculous. That's uh, so many things that I like in one movie. So yeah, it'll be <laughs> high on the agenda. <laughs> Um, okay, and then I'll jump. To, that was three, right? I wasn't that's, counting. That's three, yes. Um, and then I'll combine these two because they're connected. It's Paddington one and two. Yeah, of course. I, I love Paddington. Paddington. Yes, they were wonderful, very funny movies. Uh, very sweet. Uh, Sally Hawkins is incredible. Love yeah, she's great. Every bit of it. Also, Ben Wishaw is my favorite sort of slight British man these days. He can just do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are my four. Right on. Well, I'm going to talk about Karate Kid parts one through four. Oh, right on. Uh, just love kidding. I'm, I'm actually only going to talk about Karate Kid parts two, three, and four. Well, that's cool. Two, I like two. I actually liked two also. I think it's a good example of just like sequelism. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, we're just going to do the same plot again. Here we are in Japan this time. Uh-huh. It's great. Uh, and it also has my uh, my favorite credit song of all of them. Uh, 
uh, uh, the closing glory credits. Love. Glory of love. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The glory of love. Yeah, that's my jam, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. a knight in shining armor. <laughs> keep jamming. Keep jamming. I can't remember the for the lyrics. Off. I need the beat going. It's been a <laughs> I've actually listened to the song. Um, yeah, I like two. It's a lot of fun as a sequel. Three is a big old mess that I still kind of enjoyed. You know, it's yeah. I don't remember. Like, I never like hated three, but it was always my least favorite. After, I mean, obviously, uh, the fourth one is my least favorite. You, you but, don't uh, love the next Karate I, Kid? Mm, there's some fun moments in it, but no, it. It feels like a TV movie. I I, I would argue it, it feels like a. Granted, series. I haven't seen it in many years. This is me going off of, just like my my recollection of it. Yeah, fair enough. It doesn't feel like a TV movie to me anyway, but it does feel overstuffed. Like it comes in at almost two hours long. And Whoa, really? Yeah, and it's one of those ones where like the last half of the not the the last half hour for sure the tension's basically been resolved and then we're like going to prom and bowling uh -huh. and I, you know I, you know <laughs> huh i'd be curious i should i haven't watched all of them in a long time i've seen one and two many many times but i should i should go through them because those are great movies i i, I love the first two genuinely i have genuine affection for the first one i really enjoyed the second one i think it's the first time i've ever seen the second one. Oh, uh, wow or the third one for that matter or the fourth one for that matter i hadn't oh. seen any of them but the first one and i've been you know watching cobra kai because like, i'm a human being and so, I've not watched it oh dylan but i wanted to sort of fill in some of the gaps and just see what like what i might be you know subjected to for the last season yeah my sisters told me i need to watch it and i'm just like oh, i know i get it i get it i just i don't i don't want to watch it right now fair enough it's a blast it's a romp i can't say enough strong things about it the look jumping back to the third one the biggest problem is something that cobra kai kind of rectifies is it gives crease a storyline and the third one has this setup where it's like, yeah, the, the villain is back, baby. And then it just totally sidelines him for the whole movie. And then he doesn't uh, really uh, have purpose in the end either. So I don't know why he's there necessarily. To give him some story, man. Yeah. Just Valiant effort, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I was spurred on by childhood karate terribleness so i put on three ninjas oof buddy that movie is i mean they're kids movies right so yeah that's you know a whole I, was, I was never actually a fan of that movie at all i love I the three ninjas tape, and i was never about it I was, it, it, I was it was probably my brother's like it wasn't it wasn't mine it was my brother's you can own up to it there are three ninjas what's not to love I don't know. I, don't, I was just never into these three ninja kids. No, they're, it's rough, man. It's What's like, the next one after that? At like high, uh, high, high mountain or something? Yeah, high noon. It's something mountain. Hang on. I actually have them 
Hulk Hogan's in it, right? I haven't gotten to that one yet. So I've only watched the first two, uh, which are Three Ninjas and Three Ninjas Kickback. I'm just a few minutes into Three Ninjas Knuckle Up. And the fourth one is High Noon at Mega Mountain. High Noon at Mega Mountain. Wow, yeah. So I've definitely seen High Noon at Mega Mountain uh, more than any of them. That's insane. I mean, I get it, but that's just a bonkers statement to... But like this, the first one, the VHS cover is so ingrained. Yeah, with the kids all stacked on top of each other and the like fun. Like a neon retro retro color thing. Totally. They're doing a lot of color punch. And in the second one in particular, they have like (laughs) each little ninja has their own, you know, colorful ninja costume that they're dressed up in. And it's... (laughs) Speaks to the problems with three ninjas, okay, guys? Hear me out, because I'm going to roast three ninjas. But, like, they just, they're so cumbersome looking, and they look like snowsuits. And it's like, I don't feel like that would be helpful for karate at all. And the at one point in the first movie, there's some fight choreography where one of the kids kind of jumps over the other guy who's bent over, and he, like, with his legs splits, I'm gesturing to Dylan, so this will make good audio for anybody who might find this, but his legs are split and he kind of like slams down on the back of the guy's head with his testicles. And I just don't understand why that would be good for fighting. Balls of steel, dude. It's <laughs> a technique they did not cover in, uh, in Three Ninjas, nor Three Ninjas kickback. Kickback. God. So actually, I'm going to talk about one more movie just so you know I haven't been digesting pure junk. I re I, I was jet lagged as uh, so uh, watched Independence Day. Speaking of Rennie Harlan and the ilk, that's, that's Roland Emmerich. Yeah, I know it is. I there's just they're certainly not the same filmmaker, but there's a handful of like Jan Debon also belongs in that class and. People who can make disaster movies, you know? Really what it is, is I just love disaster movies. So, um, man, Independence Day hums, dude. There's just nothing wrong with that movie whatsoever. Okay. It's a fun One single thing that's wrong with that movie. I defy (laughs) you. A good amount of it. But doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. Everything is perfect. Here's one flaw with that movie is that when Vincent the dog, no, that's the one from Lost, whatever, it's the same dog, but he jumps through a doorway because there's a tunnel blowing up behind him and the plate looks sloppy. But other than that, perfect film. (laughs) All right. I know you love Roland Emmerich, man. (laughs) I do. I really, I truly do, man. And it's easily his best. And I do. I like. Um, I mean, I do enjoy that one, and I enjoy Day After Tomorrow, and um, uh, what am I blanking on? Uh, he made The Patriot, which is really good. I like The Patriot. Yeah, yeah. He's I. The yeah, Patriot like has a problem. We you don't like dramas. We get it. <laughs> That's not the problem. It like it's still a Roland Emmerich movie. You know what I mean? The the problem is I uh, it's trying to be a drama when it explodes into dumb action films. I'm generally pretty into it. But when Mel Gibson is like 
telling me it's a free country or at least it will be i'm not buying any of it fine i really like 2012 and i think i do because it's so in over the top you know what i mean it just is dialed the whole way up man yeah and it's got like a solid five minute that movie's like almost three hours i feel like and it's got it's like a long. five minute subplot of a fucking pomeranian or some shit trying to get on a ship and fuck off yeah you gotta you know? get the dog on the ship that's man's best friend it's the woman it's the the woman the annoying it's the russian girl. Old heart, uh ma- mistress's dog <laughs> oof i Man. didn't love midway i'll give you that i did not see that it's bad yeah about midway island yeah about the battle of midway uh, during world war ii and it's another one where it's like there's so much drama here and then the action's not nearly fun enough and there's not enough people sort of like running away saying chippy things. Mm. Yeah, anyways. So that's Roland Emmerich's filmography. <laughs> On to Can't Hardly Wait. Can't get enough of you, baby. <laughs> has a few Smash Mouth songs. Should we start with the soundtrack? Sure. It, it's it, got a fucking crazy 90s soundtrack. It rules, man. I have written down in my notes here. Tell me if this statement is too much. I think Damn It is maybe the best pop punk song. Like the number one best pop punk song. It's a great song. I think it's one of the better rock songs of the last 50 years. But in in terms of pop punk, damn, do I really, really dig it. Yeah, I do too. Also, the opening credits are an Eve Six song. And they pop up later again because they do Inside Out in a party scene, but the opening credits are a song called like Open Open Road Road Song. Song. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was definitely a fan of Eve Six a lot around this time. (laughs) Uh, I just remember that first album. Is that song on that first album? Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Um, Since we're doing soundtrack, I actually have some of it here. Just some music that was uh, oh yeah there's third eye blind as well okay sublime also the dire straight song to romeo and juliet yeah that's the second movie with ethan Embry that features that song prominently they do it in empire records yeah, yeah which this was before no after no, this has to be after this is- yeah it's definitely after Let's see, 98, yeah. Empire Records is what, 94, 5, maybe? 95? Yeah, I'll go 95. I'd be surprised if it was 96. But this thing, <laughs> it's so 90s. It's so, so 90s in the soundtrack because it, it's not just the good stuff, baby. We got all mixed up by 311. There's a Jennifer Love Hewitt song. Yeah, you heard me right. Yeah. Tone Loke is in this thing. Brian Setzer and his orchestra sublime i mean they're all in there bust rounds miss uh missy lots of stuff going on with that soundtrack and lots of stuff going on with the cast too you want to get into the cast i just want to say one more thing about the soundtrack because so it stands to reason that this movie came out in 98 it really is evocative to me of my middle school experience i think the music has a lot to do with that 
I was sort of trying to get at why this movie is so, so charming to me. And I got a couple ideas that we can unpack, but the music is a huge part of it because it's legitimately good. And I mean, it's integral to the movie. It's named after a replacement song. Shout yep. out to Minneapolis folks. Mm. And the music's really good all throughout it and just very time capsule. It's well, well, well executed. And I completely agree. music and time capsule, the fact that Jennifer Loves Hewitt's yearbook quote is a jewel quote is so well nice. observed, man. It's just pitch perfect for all right. Anyways, I'm going to calm down now. What, what do you have to say? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you said this reminds you of middle school. It reminds me of elementary school, just like uh, second grade. Just sure. fuck. love this movie. Watched it so, so, so much because I love Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> um yeah this movie's fucking great it's obviously not perfect but it's great um it's not perfect i although i think if you had asked me before i watched it this time if i thought it was perfect i probably would have said yes i I do have a few complaints but only a couple man yeah it's only a few uh but yeah just I'm trying to think of who else that we forgot that like pops up. Donald Faison pops up. Uh, Breckin Sean Meyer pops up. Breckin Meyer, Jamie Presley, uh, Sean Patrick Thomas, uh, Selma Blair is one of the girls that uh, Seth Green hits on. I oh she you're right. I was thinking of Clea Duvall, who is also one of those girls. Wait, no, 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 no. You were right. No, it's not Seth Green's character. It's the other, it's the nerdy guy. Mike. No. Wait, no, no. Who's Mike? Who's Mike? Mike is the jock, right? Okay, so it's Mike. Yeah. Mike That's Selma Blair. The wow. other girl that Seth Green hits on is Clea Duvall. Jamie Presley, I don't think we mentioned. Uh, Rodriguez yeah. is one of the guys. Melissa Joan Hart is running around with her yearbook through this whole movie. Yeah, uh, you get Jenna Elfman as a stripper angel. That's a great moment in this yeah. in this movie, and it speaks to like the the mysticism, just the sort of fairy dust sprinkled over this whole thing. Because Jenna Elfman can act; she's a good actor, right? And she's you know obviously a beautiful woman. And so when you put her in this like ethereal costume and present her with this role that is to like wake up the dipshit. It lands, man. And again, that we're casting it against the the one big knight that's using music really, really well. That being He's Mandy in that scene. Mandy, yeah. Barry, yeah. Barry Manilow? Barry Manilow's Mandy. And uh, I, uh, but the last like cameo appearance, <laughs> whose name is my favorite, is Jerry O'Connell as Trip McNeely. <laughs> Trip McNeely. You're a sexual icon. <laughs> the way dudes talk to uh, to and about other dudes in this movie was shocking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Where one of the at one point they're talking to Mike, uh, Mike, whatever his last name is, a he's a sexual god. He's a role model. He's a role model. Mike Dexter's a god. <laughs> that's what it is. Mike Dexter's a god. He's a role model. Yeah, that's as they're driving away in the beginning after they're eating and plan to break up with their girlfriends. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. This thing uh, is very written, but 
for me, it stays just this side of being overwritten. And I think you get leverage because it's about a writer, right? And we're seeing this whole thing from Ethan Embry's uh, Preston uh, Sturgis. No, that's not right. Myers. Uh, Myers. We're seeing this from Preston's point of view, right? And so all of it filtered through his lens, the <laughs> ridiculing jocks for being... Uh, what's the word? homophobic is not the right word but like the suppressed homoeroticism that they're uh -huh. engaging with i i think it totally plays and most of most of the movie really does um i just realized there's one more cast shout out oh, uh, who we got the shermanator from american pie is the klepto kid that's right chris owen, chris owen is his name yeah he's a staple of the 90s man yep. Absolutely. Uh, so did you know, I, it says this as a trivia that it was originally given an R rating because of uh, just teens drinking essentially. Hmm. And I watched the, the commentary of long, oh fucking forever ago now it feels like. Uh, um, and the director said that one of the things he had to change was when you see balloons, in the shot that's actually cgi and it's someone holding a beer bong okay there's the extra activity in this movie is either really good or really bad i think it's really good <laughs> because they're partying their faces off like at one point there's some guy there's a pair of a couple in the background and they start making out hard oh, like hard. yeah i know practically yeah and there's a shot for it, dude. yeah and it i yeah <laughs> it's a, it's enough to make you look twice for sure there's a shot earlier on where I, I forget exactly what's going on in the scene around them but there's a guy following a girl and she has blonde pigtails like braided braids on either side of her head and he's holding the ends of them and kind of like doing like a pony thing and she's just walking in front of him and every extra in this movie is doing the most all the time Whoa. i don't remember seeing that that's crazy it definitely happens speaking of stuff i don't remember seeing this is the first time i noticed the joke that sets up uh the nerd what's what's our character's name sorry but the the, the, the nerd yeah who's trying to get his revenge is uh william right 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 so when william is uh wait where the fuck was i i just got lost in his name the nerd when he is oh so at the end after paradise city when he sets when he takes the two girls to the makeout room i had always read that as just being like oh they're so impressed with his singing and he broke free of his nerddom but there's a shot during the performance where one of them looks to the other and is like, holy shit, he's got a giant cock. That's the first time that I have seen that shot ever watching this movie is today. Uh, um, <laughs> I love when <clears throat> he does go into the room and that one girl's like, did those girls just go in there with yeah. uh, William Lichter? Oh man, just everything changes for him. Good for him. I yep. don't know. I like that everybody has an arc in this movie. I think that's one of the things that really helps it feel so winning is nobody gets left behind. Like even the nerds get abducted, you know, the 
the kind of henchmen and uh-huh. the the jump in the jocks thing works out for everybody in the end and it was the right thing to do and even mike is you know reset because that's kind of the character that he is they're not capable of growth but the yeah i guess it does lead to some of the complaints of this movie though because we spent a lot of time with seth green and in the bathroom yeah and that stuff really kind of wears thin you know and mm-hmm. Lauren Ambrose, I, I, I like her performance. and I really like her character. She feels like people that I, I know, you know, that I went through these experiences with. Um, she's really good. But yeah, that stuff is long, man. And the whole second act of this movie is long. Mm-hmm. It is long. Uh, yeah, like when you, like once the party's over, the movie kind of should like really be over, but it still has like a couple more scenes. It has the diner and then it has the train station scene. And they, but it does like it does wrap everything up. But I do see what you're saying that it does extend uh, ex, uh, extend its welcome a little bit. Yeah, and it it sort of pulls some some hijinks with the pacing of it, especially at the end, because we get we start getting you know title over stuff, classic <laughs> you know big night teen movie like they went on to do such and such and blah blah is now uh, whatever. And then that drops out because we have to go to the train station and wrap up Ethan Embry and Jennifer Love Hewitt. And she is, I know you're a fan, man. I just, she is looking at him like he is a space alien and she's Mm. trying to comprehend human language. She's just like, what? You are a person in my sphere of existence? It's so strange. I think she's just shy. Okay, maybe. She's nervous. She told this guy off just a few hours ago. (laughs) Yeah, those would all be interesting emotions to play and appropriate for the character and would engage me as an audience member. So it'd be cool if instead of her, you know, turning into a a gray with, (laughs) all right, that's enough of comparing her to an alien. It's not a great looking movie either. I mean, it's tough to do parties. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot of like overlit stuff and uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's all we have to say on that. But I do like that they reference uh, Brad and Gwyneth because this is decidedly a 90s movie. <laughs> so the reference isn't even Brad and Jen yet or Brad and Angelina, it's Brad and Gwyneth. Yeah, or even when... Uh... Uh, uh, Mike is like, you guys haven't broke up with him yet? And they're like, oh, her dad got us tickets to Pearl Jam. They're really good <laughs> seats. <laughs> Just 90s to the max. Because they were still touring at that point and didn't have a feud with Ticketmaster where they refused to be on stage for like 15 years. Oh, man. Um, I uh, I uh, want to know what was it? The, budget 10 to 13 million made 25.6 so not like the biggest hit but it made its money yeah and i'm sure it made a shit ton of money on vhs and dvd this has got to be one of the better selling dvds of all time i imagine it certainly has a following right we're not alone and yeah yeah i think it has a cult following now jennifer love hewitt apparently as of 2019 
is said she's developing a sequel with plans to direct it herself. And the concept revolves around the reunion of the original high school game. Oh, that sounds terrible. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah. (laughs) But who knows? That might not get made. I I feel like I also heard a rumor about it being uh, revived as a TV show at one point. But, Hmm. you know, that's just everything but I, I, I don't know there's something about the concept of all in one night that is really appealing yeah it would be bad as a tv show it really yeah. you know it's a one big night thing it's great it, i mean if it were a tv show it'd be eight episodes of character introduction and then you know episode 10 or whatever is where it all comes together whatever yeah. i mini series that is five six episodes and each one tells a few hours of the night from each different portion of what you're telling and you intercross everything that sounds exhausting i'm i it mean it totally does i think you get three episodes out of that max that, that's fair yeah you know there you go. rashomon was written that way for a reason we don't need to fuck with things too much <laughs> very true i love that you just compared can't hardly wait to rush no i compared your bad pitch for a terrible thing to rashomon <laughs> that's what we're okay. dealing with here folks okay fair <laughs> why you gotta waste my flavor damn damn oh man i think we should <laughs> i mean is there anywhere to go but up from here no we got to talk about like why again why this thing works no i have i really have yeah we have uh like it's it, it's a breezy movie it flows really quickly that could also be like the, the transitions between some shots don't really work but like I feel like that was something that the editor had to find. Like it wasn't there filmed. And so the editor just had to figure out how to get it from one scene to the other. And, you know, it, it works. It definitely feels like um, it's not the best directed, but it, it has some, I don't know actually there because there are the way it flows throughout the house at certain points I really like that yeah and you know the performances are all yeah I totally retract that statement I think the direction's pretty good although like we mentioned it is borderline blown out and certainly overlit in at times you know we can talk to the DP about that but ultimately somebody's got to look at the frame and say no yeah um and it's also like it does get kind of cheeky with the letter, like the letter being like flown around the house from one portion to another. I like it, man. I, oh, I, I do too. I do too. But like, obviously, someone would totally notice this letter. But this, but it, it works. Okay, so let's. I I think this speaks to this this thing that I'm trying to, to get at, which is like the magic of this movie because it is just a little magical. It's not it full on fantasy. But we're seeing this thing from, again, uh, Preston's eyes and his whole thing. Now I am going to compare it to Rashomon. Are you ready? Oh, fuck. Um, I'm actually going to compare it to uh, Kurt Vonnegut because the movie is asking us to. That's his hero. Uh And one of the things that Vonnegut does really well is balancing the reality of the circumstances and the sort of like impactful imagery and the 
the unreality of the human psyche, you know? Uh -huh. So these little mystical flourishes that are all throughout his writing, but never quite dominate it until you are in the alien space zoo or whatever. But for a lot of the story, there's just these little touches, you know? Yeah, and like the, the most mystical moment is uh, Jenna Elf. Like that is, it, she comes out of the fog in the middle of the night and she doesn't have a name, but she helps your lead character just get over himself in a way. And, right. uh, oh, and what a great moment. I think that's my favorite moment of the movie. What? I, boy. There's like, I, I love a bunch of, the, a great a handful of moments in this movie, but that one is just like, it's taken away from the party. Your lead character is just alone and he's trying to accomplish something. And as he's about to do it, he doesn't get to do it. And Jenna Elfman's just there being fucking cool. Yeah, and a bit of a trickster god, you know, reminding, like you said, reminding him that his plans are kind of useless and you got to surrender yourself to to the fates and, and let things happen. And that's sort of echoed again in the letter where it like gets away from him. It finds exactly who it's meant for. The cycle continues. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite moment is right in the beginning when Seth Green is talking about trying to lose his virginity so that when he gets to college, he can impress girls. And he says something like, cause she's gonna be sad that I don't have 21 flavors of Smackdown or whatever the line is. But then he goes, because I don't. And he's like so sad and <laughs> just sweet and vulnerable. And he's given a hell of a performance in this movie. And so is everybody else. And everybody gets to have these, yeah, little moments. Even Melissa Joan Hart and the officious, it's all about the memories. I mean, everybody, we just, it's, it's nice and tight. Nobody else care. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. Can't hardly wait. Yeah.